This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilcrest. And as you all can expect, Money Mike is a curmudgeon. He doesn't like Halloween. He doesn't like the Buffalo Bills. What does he like? Nobody knows. How you doing, buddy? Well, I, I, I do like the movie Ghostbusters, and apparently Drew doesn't know the difference between the Pillsbury Doughboy and the Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. So, uh, just I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed. I, I know. No. I, we're, we're both disappointed in each other right now. You're disappointed in the Giants. What's new, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Very, very, very sad about the Giants. But but you asked me a few weeks ago, how do I cope with the Giants being bad? And that is Celtics basketball has started, and they have already played three games this season, and they are already have more wins than the Giants. They're 3-0. and <laughs> So at least I've got that going for me. There you go. And the, the Celtics do look fantastic. I've watched them play a little bit throughout this first three games, and the addition of Christos Porzingis is turning out to be a great one. Uh, so hopefully they can keep that up for you throughout this long NBA season that is – uh, 81 games correct or 82 was 81 82 82 82 and i don't know if they're, they're doing this new like in-season tournament thing i don't know if that's adding games or if that's just the, the same amount of 82 games but uh yeah no 82 games are probably you know you if you break it down they play about 15 games a month that's not too too terrible you know yeah it's only half the month if you think about it yeah you just have to factor in the traveling time for all the away games all that stuff i can see that being pretty tough but uh yeah. regardless Let's talk about something that's tough. Yeah. We're going to talk about this game first. Uh, this is probably the last time on this show that we're going to go super in-depth about the Giants' playoff chances because those are basically gone after they dropped this last game to the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium, uh, a game that was riddled with poor football on the offensive side, great football on the defensive side, and a punt fest. Uh, somebody might give us your thoughts on this game. The Giants. Tommy DeVito making an appearance. Uh, former Syracuse Orange quarterback uh, making his appearance in the NFL and having a historically poor performance. Uh, for those listening to the show, um, if you're going through something stressful in your life and you've, you're turning to us to get some positivity, uh, I would uh, advise you to maybe... Turn it down for just a little bit because it's not going to be too positive. So if that's triggering for you, uh, I heed the warning. Uh, if you're listening to this after it's already been posted it's not live, uh, I also recommend that you turn the volume down just a little bit for the next 10, 15 seconds. Okay, just oh, turn boy. it down. All right, volume down. All right. What the hell, New York Giants? Oh, my <laughs> God. 24 seconds away from winning this game. They did everything right on the defensive side of the ball. They forced... So many punts by the New York Jets. There were more punts in this game than points scored by both teams, okay? That's how this was. This was a game straight out of 1944. Um, <laughs> you know, Tyrod Taylor breaks his ribs in the second quarter. We lose Darren Waller. So we have really no offensive options other than to give it to Saquon Barkley. But our offensive line stinks, so we can barely run as it is that way. So all we did was run the ball for a few plays, punt it away. Then we played defense, got three and outs, then one uh back on the field to do the same and that was how this game was 
the entire time. And 24 seconds left in the game. Giants are up 10-7. to 7. The Jets are out of timeouts. It's fourth and one. Everything the Giants did up to that point was the right decision to make because you had a third-string quarterback. It was raining outside. You were playing a field position, don't want to turn the ball over, play not to lose type of a game, and it was working up until 24 seconds to go. Now, you decide to kick it on fourth and one in the red zone when if you just got one yard, game would have ran out and you win the game. You can go back and forth as to whether or not that was the right decision because it was a chip shot field goal that Graham Gano should have made. But what happened was the Giants, everything that could go wrong did go wrong from that 24 seconds into overtime. The Giants missed the field goal poorly. It was a terrible kick. Then they allowed the Jets to go down and get a field goal. And part of the reason they were able to do that was because the Giants jumped off sides on one play, which stopped the clock after Zach Wilson, who couldn't throw the ball all game, throws 30 yards down the field to Garrett Wilson. And the clock stops at 17 seconds because we jumped off sides. So instead of having to run up and spot the ball and waste about eight or nine seconds, the Jets got to go up there with 17. Then they throw the ball another 20 yards to get in field goal range. And they clock the ball with one second with unbelievable amount of execution there by the Jets. I got to give them credit for that. And they make the field goal, making it 10-10. Then the Giants win the coin toss. And in a normal circumstance, you say, hey, take the ball first. But the way this game was going with field position, some would say you should have said, no, Jets, you can have the ball first. But, you know, if the Jets had scored on there, you know, Brian Dable would have been criticized for that. And then you try to throw it with DeVito. Doesn't work. You give the ball to the Jets. You commit a pass interference in the red zone on third down when if you had just stopped them, maybe the Jets would have kicked a longer field goal or would have had to punt it to you. Could have ended at least in a tie, but no, no. You commit a pass interference on third and long. Jets kick a chip shot field goal and went at 13 to 10. I'm mad at Graham Gano. I'm mad at Coach Dayball. I'm mad at our training staff because our players kept getting hurt. Like Tyra Taylor and Darren Waller. Money Mike, who are you not mad at? I don't know. My mom's my mom's dog, Minnie, I guess. <laughs> there you go. He's not mad at, mad at the dog. He uh it doesn't sound like you're mad at the defense as well. The defense has been showing up, I feel like these past few weeks. Um they, they've been doing their job. Just really seems like the offense just can't 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 get a, get anything going. And that, that's kind of what I why I had the response that I did last week when you were talking about how if, the, if this team could just like go on a string of wins against all of the teams that they have a chance to beat, then they can make the playoffs. And it was like, unfortunately, their offense just doesn't seem to have any sort of consistency, any sort of identity. Um, you're trying to get the run game going, but the offensive line is so bad. The quarterback play has obviously not been ideal, but that's because they're just, they have such a bad offensive line with not the most stellar receiving core. So it's like, there wasn't really anything that was setting them up for success. And then just the missed field goal, that, that that's something that you, I'm sure even you weren't expecting you know, um, especially since Graham Gano has generally been a pretty good kicker over his career, I feel. And even with the Giants, he's been okay. Um, but it sounds like, man, everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the New York Giants in this game, to quote, uh, or to give you your favorite quote from Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, which is normally directed towards the Dallas Cowboys, and it's much funnier when it's applied to them. Um, yeah, no, it, it was amazing how... The, the Giants defense played phenomenal, and they've looked good the last few weeks. 
Um, and you know, it's funny, uh, Carl Banks, a Giants legend from all those mid eighties, early nineties teams that won Super Bowls with Lawrence Taylor, Bill Sims, and, uh, Bill Parcells as head coach was on a New York radio station. And these guys, uh, were hating on Kayvon Thibodeau and saying how he was a bust, how they don't really see how he's impacting any of the games. And Carl Banks was saying, you guys aren't really watching the film then because you're just being emotional fans who don't really understand. And they got insulted by that, and they hung up on him. Now, he's a defensive player, uh, a Super Bowl champion defensive player. He knows what he's talking about. And Kayvon Thibodeau was a monster in this game. He uh, forced a fumble in the first quarter. He had uh, nine total tackles, three sacks. He was everywhere. He had the offsides penalty. Um in the last 24 seconds that helped the jets, but that was probably his one mistake that I saw from what I could see in the game. And, um, yeah, it was just overall so frustrating. But again, I, I was so angry in the moment and I had to take a step back and be like, you know, if I didn't care as much, this wouldn't be affecting me as much as it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but also it's like, I had to like, after I had my moment of insanity, I was like, okay, look, the Giants have a good defense, but they're terrible on offense. They're not going to do anything in January or February anyway. So it's not going to be a a win that you're going to look back on and be like, uh, or a loss that you're going to look back and be like, well, this cost us our season. Uh, no, it's probably going to be in the collection of multiple losses that this team is going to take for the rest of the year. Um, and, uh, oh gosh, you know, it was just so unfortunate that, it played out the way it did because, you know, of course, Coach Dayball is going to take a huge chunk of heat for this. Um, and it's really kind of unfair to him because, uh, you know, Graham Cano makes that kick and they go up 13 to 7. You know, the Jets don't win the game. Uh, you know, if, um, you know, Thibodeau doesn't jump off sides and we they don't get enough time to clock it and kick the field goal, we win the game. It, it's all results-oriented criticism of the guy. I think, and then people like they were chanting in the stadium, "Let him throw it," because they did. He he threw one pass. Devito threw one pass in the second half, and that was it. Wow! It's all he, he threw okay, one. So he, he didn't threw even one, get a chance to to. They make were just they work. were just hand, they were just handing it off because they knew they, these guys watch a lot of film. They knew this game was going to be basically the defenses the entire time and field position, and the Giants were playing a strategy of we're not going to turn the ball over. We're right. going to control the clock, and we're going to not turn the ball over. And it honestly, it, that was working because the Giants controlled the time of possession. The time of possession was 38 minutes and 13 seconds for the Giants, 25 minutes for the Jets. They didn't, the Giants didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, you guys the had the ball. Turned, the Jets turned the ball over twice. Right. You know, so we won the turnover battle. It's like the Bills game. We won the turnover ratio. We controlled time of possession. We basically outplayed them in everything except passing, obviously. Yeah. And we lost the game. You know, so like if people want to be mad at Coach Dayball and and the coaching staff, I'm a little annoyed with them for the decisions that were made because obviously it resulted in a loss. But ultimately, you took a less talented team in two separate games, outplayed the other team, but because the other team has a little more talent than you, they were able to escape the game. Now, I'm not of the mindset that the Giants gave this game away completely. They they made mistakes that the Jets then took advantage of. Sure, the Giants, you know, you got to give the Jets credit for that. I mean. Zach Wilson was playing horrible the whole game. He made two good throws to get them into overtime and then was able to draw a pass interference on the last play. So 
hey, credit the New York Jets. They escaped a game that they should have lost. But that's what they did to the Bills also. So that just seems to be the theme of the year for them. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's just a frustrating game. I think it, it it's one of those games where, uh, you know, it's funny. Somebody commented on my post afterwards where I basically said the Giants were trash. And he was one of my uh, former uh, coworkers who said, like, oh, are the Giants still in it? Because you were saying the Giants were going to be in it uh, last week. But it's because the way we lost and the record now is what I think kicks the Giants out of it. Because the trade deadline was today at four. And if the Giants had won, they would have had a mindset of, okay, we play with the Raiders next week. We could be four and five. And then we're kind of back in the mix. Yeah. But now that you're two and six and you have to maybe say to yourself, okay, are we really, is this a season where we're going anywhere? Probably not. So no. they've already traded. They traded Leonard Williams to Seattle. They did not trade Saquon Barkley. A lot of people thought that might go down because he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. But they told him they w- didn't want to trade him. Uh, he said he didn't want to be traded. So Saquon Barkley, still a New York Giant for the rest of this season, as far as we know. Yeah. That's like that, that. That's as far as it goes, as far as we know. But uh, yeah, just a you know frustrating loss. Frustrating that you you kind of know the season's over now. Um, and it's, it's never like good the feeling. rest of our games, especially are, when the rest of our over. games are a formality, you right. know, it, it, it's a never a good feeling, especially when it's only week nine um, and you're just like, yep, well, everything's over real quick. Got to catch up on in the chat here. Shout out to sword Moss for the subscription 35 months, man. I have known sword Moss for a long time. Also gifting a sub to sir burrito bandit. Y'all are the best. Uh, Mike, you'll enjoy this. This, this might lift your spirits. Even more so than me being in a banana hat right now. Uh, Madden hopped into the chat, and the first thing he says is, "Tell Mike to take the mask off." <laughs> wow, <laughs> charming. He's kidding. He's kidding. But he says it's funny. He says Mike rationalizing how you lose to a bad team. It's okay, Mike. We've have all been there. Hell, Drew is a Jags fan. That is very true. Although I would say. Uh, for all those years that the Jags were very bad and I was still dedicated and watching, I wasn't really a big, like, excuse guy, you know? Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, if the refs just did this or if the Jags just didn't turn the ball over five times, you know? I usually just kind of accepted that they were a bad team. I wouldn't say I was yeah. too bad with that. Um, but yeah, it's, well, it's tough, why, man. Yeah, that's why like, I, I don't like to make excuses either because that's what losers do. Yeah. Um, the Giants you know they had their chances to win this game they made stupid mistakes at the end and it cost them the game i mean hey the whole game they were the jets were the less disciplined team they were more penalized they were the team turning the ball over and we were out coaching them by controlling the clock like we were out coaching them and more disciplined than them the entire game despite having less talent and when we made those mistakes the more talented team took advantage of it and won the game Right. That's what happened with the Bills game. And I know people blame the refs on the Bills game the way that that ended. Now, the the refs miss a call, yes. But the Giants would have had to still run another play. And there's no guarantee the Giants would have scored if they had gotten another chance at it. I don't blame the refs for that. Because, honestly, if you're the Bills, if it's one yard and you're on the goal line, they can't move the ball on a penalty. So I'm pass interferencing every single time mm-hmm. until they decide to run it and my line stuffs them. That's the go. smart thing to do. That's yeah. just taking advantage of the way the rules are. So there's no guarantee the Giants would have done that. And, you know, again, I don't like to make those excuses. The Bills were the more talented team. We had outplayed them in so many ways, but we didn't make enough plays to win. Same with this game. We had outplayed the Jets for most of the game, but it's a 60-minute game, not 59 minutes and, you know, 30 seconds. 
Yep, that is uh that is a fact of life. You gotta finish out the game and make the plays when it matters most at the end. Uh, we're, we'll move on here because we have a lot to talk about today. Jaguars versus Steelers. I went to this game this past weekend with my buddy Steve. Took these three and a half hour drive from Buffalo all the way down to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The traffic was not nearly as bad this time around as it was, Mike, uh, during the uh, preseason game that we ended up going to. I think it was because we drove to the game ourselves and just kind of parked farther away from the stadium and walked. Whereas when we were uh, going to that preseason game, we were Airbnb or uh, Ubering from the Airbnb. So I think that Uber was trying to bring us literally right next to the stadium. And I think that's when the traffic would have been really bad. Um, so that worked out for everybody who was wondering about my traffic experience. I don't know why I went to so much detail for that. Um, well, what'd you, oh, I am curious about this. What did you do? Did you like uh, put in like your maps, like a parking lot away from the stadium? Like, how did you, or did you guys yeah. park on the streets? No, we, yeah, we were able to find a lot that was that was like probably a good half mile away from the stadium, and we also got there pretty early. We got there at like eleven forty five, um, so so we were able to to find some good parking and then leaving. We actually got lost trying to find our lot on the way back, uh, um, so we ended up leaving later than expected, which let the traffic kind of dissipate. So it all all really worked out from that standpoint. And obviously, the game itself, Jacksonville Jaguars were able to get themselves a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that has been woeful on offense. Pretty good on defense, forcing turnovers. TJ Watt is obviously always a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but the Jaguars were clearly just the better team. Uh, you could tell just by watching this game. They were moving the ball up and down the field at will. The only reason that the, this game ended at uh, 20 to 10 was because the Jaguars turned the ball over three times in scoring position, which has been an issue with this team because they're able to move the ball really well. Their offense is dynamic, but they're just not able to score. And I think there's a lot of this actually going on around the, the league as a whole, not even just for the Jaguars. It seems like scoring is down, red zone efficiency is down, and defenses are playing a lot better this season. Um, and I think the stats will support that. Uh, but in this game, the Jags did enough to win. Travis Etienne is every single week showing that he is the best player on this team. He is making play after play after play. They are giving him the ball a ton, which kind of worries me a little bit that he's going to get hurt um, and, and be beaten up by the time the important football rolls around towards the end of the season. But the Jaguars are rolling, man. Five straight wins, six and two. And there are so many storylines surrounding this game that I won't get super into, but the one thing I will say... Uh, before the game, George Pickens came out and said that the Jaguars have a hope defense, which essentially means that they rely on their defensive line to generate pressure so that their corners don't have to actually cover. Um, George Pickens, one catch, one touchdown, but that was it. So it, <laughs> the, Jags, the Jags defense went off, went off on him and the rest of the team after the game, kind of just talking shit back. Uh, I ended up seeing them steal a terrible towel from a fan and like twirling it and then stomping on it. Um, that definitely pissed off a lot of the Steelers fans in my section. And I thought that was really funny. Uh, so the Jags are feeling themselves right now, Mike. It's a, they're a fun team to watch. Lesson learned. Drew is okay with people stealing other people's property. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, it looks from the stats, it looks like the Jags completely outplayed the Steelers, despite it having a close score of 20 to 10. I mean, more passing yards, more rushing yards, controlled time of possession. Um, the, you know, I did see that red zone interception by Charles Ugh, Lawrence. Uh, I mean, that had to have been heartbreaking. <laughs> was that in your end zone that you were close to? Was that? No, I was, at, I was sitting on the opposite end zone, but I remember 
I was just sitting there watching. It was first and goal from the five. And clearly the read wasn't there. And Lawrence throws the ball. And literally, immediately when the ball leaves his hands, I, I audibly was like, oh, no. Because you could just see there were three dudes right in front of Calvin Ridley. And I was like, the hell is he seeing there? Yeah. Um, so there were there were chances in this game for them to be able to just blow it wide open and just put the Steelers in the dirt. But they weren't able to do that. And it seems like that's something that they've been missing all season. Is like they're winning yeah. these games. We've trailed for a total of seven minutes and 10 seconds in the last five games. That's how long wow. we've trailed. So we're winning these games. It's just we can't get to that next level yet. It's kind of like uh, they're they're the cat, so to speak, the Jaguars, and they're playing with the mouse, that, and they're like letting it almost get away, but they're still able to you know take it down uh, in the end. I mean, this is a team that's, um, you know, this game is a perfect example of what I just talked about in the previous game, which is even though you lost the turnover ratio, you're the more talented team. You're able to overcome that. You made mistakes, but you were able to overcome that in the end. That's not something you want to have as a trend when you're competing against the top tier teams, which the Jags, as you uh, said before the show, have a schedule that is going to test them a lot more coming up uh, after their bye. But I mean, the Jaguars have a lot of rest in between. They had the Thursday night game last week. Then they had the rest between that and this game. Now they have their bye. So I think I saw they were playing one game in a span of 21 days that yeah. can either help them or hurt them. Uh, that that'll be, uh, you know, time will tell what that is. But yeah, I the Jags are the only team left in the NFL that's undefeated on the road, and I think that's a pretty impressive stat. Um, and they have, uh, you know, the Steelers are a team that have won ugly games, and this was set up for that in Pittsburgh rain, some turnovers, like so they won in Pittsburgh's like best environment, the yeah. most ideal uh, conditions for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win a football game. They won. Um, they had their signature win in London against the Bills. You were there for that. Um, is this the first time that you've gone to multiple Jags games in the same season and they haven't lost? Yes. Yeah, That this is... Uh, I've only been to multiple Jags games in a season twice before this, and that was last year where they lost to the Eagles, and then I saw them beat the Titans at the end of the year. Um, and then before that, it was all the way back in 2017 when I saw them beat the Bronze uh 19 to 7 in what chris deems as the worst football game he has ever seen um and then they we obviously lost to them in the afc championship game which i went to that as well um so yeah it, it's it's been fun three straight games i've seen the, the jaguars live and they've won um so it's it, it's i like i told you on my facebook post like started off two and seven in the first nine games i saw them live in and then, yep. yeah, uh, winning the last three to make it five and seven. Very happy about that. Sir Burrito Band in the chat says, Drew, how do you feel about the Jags winning the Super Bowl this year? No downplay. Please allow the delusion to speak for you. Um, I'm not there yet, Burrito. Um, there's a few games coming up on their schedule that we'll talk about a little bit later that I think are really going to show if this team is for real a top-tier Super Bowl contender or if they're just going to be kind of that team that wins the AFC South and then loses in the divisional round or the wild card round. Um, what was your impression of the Steeler Nation crowd being there as a neutral fan for a preseason game versus being in enemy territory as the fan of the visiting team? Like, how different was the atmosphere? How differently did you feel like you were treated by the fans? I mean, I'm sure the first time they didn't even know that you were there because, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. You probably weren't so, like a black polo or something. <laughs> so, number one, uh, the terrible towel thing is really cool uh right away and every 
every moment that the, the crowd was up and cheering, you could just see the towels over and over and over again. Those those people love those uh, little yellow towels that, that Trevor Lawrence called them and for some reason pissed off the Steelers fan base. Um, number two is kind of in that vein. The Steelers fan base is pretty soft. <laughs> At least a lot of the ones I'm seeing on Twitter and the ones that were sitting around me, man. They were bitching and complaining about the refs and uh, how the the NFL wants the Jaguars to win. And sure, there may have been a couple calls that could have gone the Jaguars way, but my God, dude, the, the Jags were the better team. If you watch this game, the offense on the Steelers side did absolutely nothing. We gave the ball away three times in their on in scoring position, and they got a total of three points off of that. Like, at the end of the day, sure, you can blame the refs for maybe a couple of things. That offsides call um, on the, the field goal to end the first half, yeah, that was questionable, if not ridiculous. So, sure, maybe that extra three points should have been on the board at the end of the first half. But, man, th- blaming the refs in, the, in this scenario that much, where Deontay Johnson, after the game, wide receiver for the Steelers, comes out and says that the refs wanted us to win. I was like, man, I'm like, you, you see people bitch about the refs. But it was it's weird being on this side of it because the Jaguars have never been that team that like people are saying, oh, the NFL wants them to win, you know. So, yeah, yeah, the NFL doesn't want one of their premier franchises to win. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just so stupid. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. People can always complain about officiating. That's always going to be the case. But what is the alternative? Right. Seriously, what's the alternative? Like let the players coach themselves. The players are always going to call holding and pass interference uh, on themselves. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, or basketball. They're always going to call fouls. You see, you watch one Celtics game. Jason Tatum thinks he gets fouled every time he goes to the basket. He's bitching his halfway down the court almost every yeah. single time. He doesn't get a call. You know, it, 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 what, it, again, it, it would be so disorganized if yeah. we got rid of officiating. And I take, I take back the blanketed statement. The Steelers fan base as a whole is not soft, but a large percentage of the people I've seen talking about this game are focusing way too much on that and not focusing on the fact that their offense was just absolutely inept this entire game. Well, it, it, look, look, sports is a reflection of America, okay, and the American people. And people don't like to acknowledge their own flaws and their own problems they like to blame it on other outside sources. Like when you drive to work, right? Let's say you oversleep like I did this morning and you're a little late to work like I was this morning. Um, do you blame it on the traffic, the slow drivers that are around you, that that you didn't hit each of the lights that you needed to hit? Or do you take a look in the mirror and say, no, I fucked up and I didn't wake up on time. If I woke up on time, I would have been on time. Blame yourself. Take accountability, Steelers fans. Take accountability. Your team's not as good. I take accountability that the Giants aren't as good as the Jets, and they lost. Get over it. <laughs> there you go. And uh, real quick, Kenny Pickett injured in the first half of this game. Ribs uh, did not play in the second half, so there was a Mitch Trubisky sighting. He played like shit. Uh, Kenny Pickett says he's going to be back Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans, against Will Levis, who had one good game, and everybody's talking about how, oh, man, like uh, this is the new guy uh, for the Titans. I'm like, oh, boy. All right, well, it's starting. Well, we'll see if he can keep going. Now, I asked you last week if you would be waving a terrible towel, and you said, fuck no. But uh, this week, you will be waving a terrible towel in your living room watching the Thursday night game because you do not like the Steelers' opponent this week. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I'll always root against the Titans, uh, even if it's in division. 
were you upset? Were you upset that the Titans did not trade Derrick Henry? Were you hoping that they would? Not really, man. I mean, that the, the the Titans aren't a threat this year. Even if they beat us, like they're not going to win enough games to be in playoff contention. I don't think. Not not in not how the AFC is looking so far this year. There's so many good teams. Like Will Levis isn't going to lead them to the promised land this year. I can guarantee you that. And I know you're. I like. I can see your face. Like, oh, he's jinxing it right now. Titans are about to go on a run. They're not going to go on a run. Fuck the Titans. <laughs> Well, no, I just, I was at a uh, surprise party for my cousin uh, for her birthday and her boyfriend is a huge Titans fan. And so when I had my first conversation with him at the start of the night, I told him, I said, you know, I think Derrick Henry's getting traded. And he was so offended. He's like, stop saying that. That's not going to happen. So, you know, you're mingling in the party. You talk to different groups of people. And every time our paths crossed, I'd be like, yo, I think Henry's getting traded. He's like, stop it. So I was wrong. I was wrong. He didn't get traded. It's all signs were pointing that way. Yeah. But I think the fact that the Titans won on Sunday is like the exact opposite with the Giants. Like the Giants lost. It's like, okay, we're waving the white flag. The season's over. Like Washington, they lost. They're waving the white flag. They traded their entire defensive line, it seems like. Um, so the Titans won, and they're like, hey, you know, we're three and four. We're in the mix in the AFC for the wild card. Um, we're probably, you know, we still have our two games against Jacksonville to maybe catch the division. Who knows? We'll see how it plays out. So yeah. the Titans still feel like they're in it. So you don't trade your best player when you feel like you're in it. No. Dude, that's the thing, though. Like, the Titans do not have the type of team to make a run. Like, like sure, they can get their random win against us because we just always seem to play like shit against them. But are they really built to beat a team like the freaking Bengals or the Chiefs or even the Bills? No. Well, do they like, play any of those teams? That's the, that's the problem. Is the do do the Titans play those teams? I mean, if you look at the let's let's since so. we're talking about it before we talk about the Bills, the Titans. This is their upcoming schedule. Pittsburgh, with no, I mean, with an injured Kenny Pickett, who the offense is already bad. They can win that game. Yeah. They played Tampa Bay. They can win that game. Then they play the Jags, who they always play tough against. Then they play Carolina, the Colts. They play the Texans. So their tough games left on their schedule is the two games against the Jags. They do play at Miami and they play the Seahawks, but at home, they play the Seahawks in Tennessee and you know, the Seahawks have a long travel. They could be jet lagged. That's always a possibility. So they have two games left against Houston, two games uh, or one game against the Colts, the Panthers. I mean, the Titans have a winnable schedule. I mean, they could be a team that's like nine and eight, 10 and seven. That could be a record that is sniffing the playoff spot. I mean, they, I don't think they have what it takes to win the division. I'm not saying that, yeah, but to sit to wipe them off and say, oh, they don't have a chance to be in the mix. No, I think they, I think they do based on their schedule. So well, the point I was making though is even if they did make the playoffs, they are very, oh. they are literally like the most unexciting playoff team you can ever imagine. They're just going to get stomped by the elites of the AFC. Like, like that, that, they, that's yeah. But with Mike Vrabel as coach and the way that the Titans' style of football is, aren't they a team that could upset one of those good teams that you would, if you're one of those good teams that you would overlook, thinking, oh, we'll beat them. Yeah. And they come and play a tough football game and, you know, control clock and win the turnover battle and just don't make enough mistakes to lose the game. I could see that happening. Potentially, you I know? guess. But it, who wants to watch that, right? No, I don't. I, I certainly don't <laughs> yeah. want to watch that. I don't want them in the playoffs. I'd rather have a team that's more exciting. You know, right. I, it's just – I'm just saying we can't write them off yet. And the Fair. city of Houston should be pissed that they wear Houston Oilers throwbacks because it's like Houston has a football team again and the Titans, even though they're the original franchise that was in Houston, they relocated wearing the Houston Oilers uh, throwbacks is kind of a spit in the face at the city of Houston. I thought I was offended for Houston residents. 
I, I think uh, I think the NFL came out and told them not to wear those anymore. I think I remember reading that somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. I could be wrong, but I think it was like a copyright thing or something. Um, I'll have to double check that. But real quickly, Mike, uh, we won't talk about this game too long because we got a lot to talk about uh, going forward. Bills Bucks, uh, not the most pretty win, but a win nonetheless for the Bills. Um, obviously the Bills have some work to do to kind of get back to their their top form. Correct. Yeah, I, and again, the Bills tend to play down to their competition. This score is a lot closer than it actually was. I mean, that, the Bucks had this really lucky drive, and I say lucky because they just kept getting bailed out by stupid penalties um, that drove them down the field more so than their ability to move the the football. And on the very last play of the game, that Hail Mary play was ridiculous. Nobody touched the ball. Like, it was, wasn't batted down yeah. or anything. If Godwin had actually turned around, it could have been the most heartbreaking loss the Bills fans might have had in recent memory um, would have brought even more heartbreaking than the Hail Mary to Arizona. Cause at least Arizona that year was a good team. Um, you know, so yeah. Buff- I mean, the bucks looked good in September, but I've really kind of fallen off since. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the a win is a win. The bills move on uh, to the next opponent, which will be the Cincinnati Bengals. And what an emotional roller coaster that game is going to be it's prime time, Sunday night football. First time the bills are playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, in Cincinnati since what happened to DeMar Hamlin on the Monday night football game at the end of last year. This is the team that knocked you out of the playoffs. There's so much that goes into that game, and uh, the Bengals are now starting to find themselves. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting one next week for sure. That's definitely going to be the game of the week. Yeah, I, th- I would definitely agree. I think the Bills and Bills fans really want to get that at least some semblance of that game back with how the season ended last season. Um, so I- I'm excited to watch that one as well. Real quick, just to update my my comment from before uh the nfl actually told uh the university of houston to not use those jerseys because they were similar to the houston oilers and copyright issues and stuff like that so i was wrong um yeah 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 so, I, I was gonna say I, I think the titans would have the rights to it because that is their franchise right uh history so even though they they're not in houston anymore they technically have the rights to the oilers color scheme and look because that was where they were originally right um I think the the Baltimore Ravens had to sell off their Cleveland Browns history because technically the original Cleveland Browns franchise did relocate to Baltimore and became the Ravens. Yeah. And they brought the Browns back. So I don't know how that technically works with copyright, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it, yeah. It, it definitely is interesting when, when teams change cities and change looks like I do, they still own the old ones. It sounds like that's definitely for sure. Um, Mike, real quick, I asked you this last week. I'll ask you this, this week. NFC South winners. Who's your prediction? Oh, NFC South. I'm still sticking with the Saints. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the only ones that – or, well, the Panthers won too. But uh, Saints won this past week, and the both the Buccaneers and the Falcons lost. So um, yeah. it seems like that one is still up for grabs in the worst division in the NFL. So we're not going to keep talking about them. Yeah. Um. All right. So the second quarter of the NFL season is over technically ish uh oh you know yeah i guess it is over now um yeah i mean it used to be like you know the 16 game season yeah. so every four weeks now there's 17 games technically i mean I, I i'm counting that it's still every four weeks and the last week of the season tends to sometimes be a formality uh because a lot of teams are resting their players and everything like that so unless right. you're the jags and the titans last year and uh, it came down to that final game yeah. um you know that's only going to be a hand that not even a handful of situations i would bet this year yeah, I mean, people are most likely just going to be fighting for seating. Uh, at right. least, hopefully, that's the going to be the case for the Jags. But all right, um, we'll, let's do our second quarter 
power rankings, top five power rankings for both conferences. Yes, sir. As you can imagine, I am not fully prepared for this, so I'm going to be coming up with this on the fly. Money Mike, I'll have you start. Who do you have at number five in the National Football Conference? The team that just acquired one of my players, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they are in first place in the NFC West. Um, they have been playing, uh, you know, they've been winning football games the last few weeks. They've already had their bye this year, so they played one less game than than some other teams. But they are um, on top of their division. No one would have thought that since they played in the same division as the San Francisco 49ers. Had we said at the end of the first quarter rankings, hey, the Seahawks will have first place in hand uh, in the NFC West, you would have been like, what happened to the 49ers? Well, they've lost three straight games. So um, they, and they, the Seahawks could have won against the Bengals who uh, they were just one play away from making that happen. Um, And uh, they have a tough game this week against the Ravens. But right now I think that Seattle defensively, they are a team that is running the ball effectively. They are incredible at getting sacks and getting pressure on the opposing quarterback. That's exactly the style of play that Pete Carroll likes to play. And uh, so, yeah, I have the Seattle Seahawks at number five, but crawling up the list as well. All right. I also have the Seattle Seahawks at five. Um, same re- same reason as I had them uh, uh, in my top five rankings uh, after the first quarter. Uh, well-coached team, great run game, solid defense. Geno Smith is able to make plays. Uh, just a good team overall. Uh, and I think they'll they'll definitely give uh, whoever they their matchup in the playoffs with trouble uh, in the postseason this year. Um, obviously sure not enough. kind of considered in that top tier of the NFC, uh, or at least the, the most elite teams in the NFC, and that's why we both have them at number five. Who do you have at number four, Mike? I have the Dallas Cowboys at number four, uh, a team that uh, Colin Cowherd compares to the Buffalo Bills in that you don't know what you're getting. There's the games where they'll blow the other team out, and then there's games where they lose to a team they probably shouldn't have. Um, and, you know, Dak Prescott, do I trust him? No. But their defense is very, very good. And uh, I think that Mike McCarthy, as much criticism as he takes, he is a um, competent coach. Um, and then you've got a great defensive coordinator staff there. The Dallas Cowboys are one of three teams left in the league that are undefeated at home. Um, and they have a big game with big playoff implications this week against the Philadelphia Eagles because the Dallas Cowboys, with that record at home, you want to be having home playoff games. And in order to do that, you need to win your division. So this is a game that the Cowboys need to win because they have two losses this year and Philly only has one. And so if you beat Philly in this game, you both have two losses. You have the tiebreaker because you beat them head-to-head. So, But right now, the Eagles have the better record and have looked better overall, so they are going to still be ranked higher, and that's why I have Dallas at number four. All right. This is a tough one, man, because um, it's the 49ers are two totally different teams in comparison of the last three weeks versus the first five. And obviously their last win prior to this three-game skid was against the Cowboys, and they destroyed them, embarrassed them on yeah. Sunday Night Football. So it's... It's it's tough to put the Cowboys ahead of the 49ers, but the 49ers have just not looked good these past three weeks, man, in comparison to what they did look like. And they have a lot of issues on defense. I Clearly, signing Chase Young, which we'll get into a little bit later, should help. Um, but, man, they, they have looked not very good over these past three weeks. So I'm going to put the San Francisco 49ers at four. Um, I, I know that they have the head-to-head over the Cowboys, as I said, but the Cowboys as a whole 
be- beating the Rams isn't the most impressive win, um, but they beat them hand- handily. And that definitely is something that's not uh, not as easy as you would think. Um, right. So I'm going to put the 49ers at four, not feel great about it, but it's just hard to really feel good about the 49ers right now. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I do have the 49ers a little bit higher on the list, and I'll explain why. But I have at number three the Detroit Lions. Mm. And the Detroit Lions right now have been so polar opposite of the team I've seen growing up all my life. Yeah. Uh, my friend Andy was at the game last night with his wife. They had a great time. Um, and, you know, because the Lions were winning on Monday Night Football, their first Monday Night Football game since 2018. Um, and, uh, look, they got smacked around by the Baltimore Ravens last week. So to bounce back and win this game, uh, they completely outplayed the Raiders on every facet of the ball. Um, and uh, their defense, man, is phenomenal. I mean, that's a team that if you're in a rebuild, um, don't be trigger happy about firing your coach because Dan Campbell was, what, won one game his first season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions, and the yeah. team did not say, okay, we tried this. You couldn't win any games. or This is no different than before. We're going to try to start over. They stuck with it, and the GM landed on the picks. They made the right picks for the right people, and when you do that, you can take a team like the Lions and a franchise and turn it completely around. Jared Goff has had a resurgence in Detroit when everyone thought that he was basically being shipped off to die from the Rams. The Rams were like, oh, you couldn't win us a Super Bowl. You're not going to be any good for us going forward. Uh, go to Detroit and you know maybe play a few years, and then you'll probably bounce around the league. You're, you're done. No, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC, if not the NFL. And he's playing like it. So. Yeah. Um, that's a team that I am rooting for because they've been a team that has been on the downslope. Now I could see listening to this years down the line and think the Lions are that team that we're building up. But once they, if they get too good and they're winning every year, we then hate them, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but right now they're the team that has never won. So we're going to root for them to to rise up. I certainly am. So that's why I have it. Number three, man, the Lions fans to hear that they would kill for that situation because they've had to deal with that with for the with the packers for longer than we can remember at this point um so good good for the lions just want to very quickly bring up a point here that madden brings up in the chat uh 49ers missing players like debo and teeny williams man when is debo ever healthy that man is just like one of the most injury prone players i've ever seen and and it could just be because i've had him in fantasy over the past couple of years and it's always been incredibly frustrating to own him um, but I, I think just the, the biggest issue with the Niners, other than their, their defense, um, is also just the fact that Brock Purdy has looked not good over the past few weeks. And I know some of it is because of the, he was in concussion protocol, obviously. So that poor performance, um, uh, who did they lose to prior to the Bengals last week? It was the Minnesota. Uh, Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously some of that poor performance could be attributed to the concussion. And, and honestly, he didn't look that bad against the Bengals, but I just, it's just crazy to see how, how much they've fallen off just by by missing uh uh Trent Williams. He's probably the the much bigger uh missing piece. So we'll see they might bounce back. They have a bye now. They they might get some guys healthy and then they could beat the Jags coming out of, out of the bye. So and then all of this could be turned right back around. So it's it's a week to week league. Everybody kind of just changes their opinions from one week to the next and that's kind of how it goes. But uh number 3 I'm going to put the Dallas Cowboys there. Like I said, I was kind of just toggling between the 49ers um, and the Cowboys. Um, and this easily could just be recency bias because the Cowboys has had a good game. Um, but, man, 
the formula for the Cowboys to win is obviously their defense plays really well. Dak isn't put in a situation where uh, he, he can turn over the ball. Um, they're a front runner. Yeah, they're they're definitely a front runner, and we'll see if they're able to do that against the the Eagles. I'm excited to yeah. watch them play this weekend, man. It's it's going to be yeah, a good matchup. I, that's going to be a very good matchup. Yeah, they're they're a team that's very good at playing from ahead. But if you ask them to play from behind or back and forth game, I don't know if I necessarily trust them. That's why I put them at number uh, four in my rankings. Yeah, I put the 49ers at number two. Um, and the reason I put the 49ers at number two is because I believe in them. And so I didn't really use recency bias in this ranking for that for them specifically because their game against Cleveland, I mean, they kicked that, that, that field goal goes four inches the other way. Yeah, I mean, they win that game. They're not on a three-game losing streak. It's a two-game losing streak. And the game against the Vikings – uh, yes, the Vikings made plays to win the game, but the 49ers made a bunch of mistakes and beat themselves uh, to a degree as well. So, I mean, that's, you know, and they still almost won. They still almost overcame those mistakes and won the game. They just, you know, they didn't. Uh, and then the Bengals completely outplayed them. So the Bengals loss is the one where they were really outplayed, and it was at home. So, but is it really a shame to lose to the second best quarterback in the NFL when healthy? No, I would say no. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, look, three game, losing three games in a row is never good in the NFL. They do need to figure it out, especially because they still have to play Seattle twice and Seattle's winning the division right now. So they've got to turn around. They got to get healthy. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're right. Tebow is frustrating to have in fantasy. I did have him in a year where I did win the fantasy championship in the league. And the reason I won was because when he played, he was fantastic, you know, but it was frustrating to have to sub him out and you didn't want to ever drop him because, you didn't know if he was coming back or not. So you're like, do I, is he going to be on the out for the rest of the year? You never knew. Cause they, they're so teams are so secretive about players health and all that stuff. So, but I think that the 49ers are still going to be one of the best teams in the NFC and getting chase young, having chase young and Bosa on your defensive line, they're going to feast on whoever they play uh, when it comes to quarterback and stopping the run. So uh, yeah, I still think San Francisco is the second best team in the NFC. Yeah. And obviously a lot of that is based on the fact that if you just look at this team on paper, they're absolutely stacked. Right. Um, and yeah. so it's kind of hard to just be like, okay, they have a bad run of play. Um, do we assume that they're just not a good team anymore? Or you, you just, they have the type of players where they'll be able to bounce back. Madden brings up a point though. He says, oh, but when the Vikings have three turnovers a game and lose to Casey and Philly by three points each, they are bad. I think that's the reason. It's because the 49ers look amazing on paper. So you kind of just assume they're going to figure it out. With the Vikings, it's it's it was still kind of up in the air, and obviously is now with with the injury to Kirk Cousins. On if, if there there's enough talent on that team to be able to to make it work going forward, um, I think with Kirk Cousins going down, I think there's a lot of a lot of questioning surrounding if that's going to happen. Uh, but we will see. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about the Vikings in a moment when we talk about the trade deadline. Uh, number two, I have the Detroit Lions looking absolutely fantastic. Had one terrible game against the Baltimore Ravens, but otherwise have looked really good this season. Um, they did what they needed to do against the Raiders. Jared Goff looks fantastic. Jameer Gibbs, hell of a running back, man. I was watching him last night. He was racking up the yards. And obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, and Josh Reynolds. Just a great roster overall, and it's all bolstered by that great offensive line. So, um, Detroit Lions number two, which means both of us have the Philadelphia Eagles at number one. Money Mike, does that hurt to say? Uh, I mean, I've been saying it for the last two years now so i should be used to it it does suck that the eagles are so good and the giants are so bad um i guess i should be used to it by now but i'm not um but it's just yeah, they're the other team in the nfc that's undefeated at home um jalen hurts has not played his best season but 
I mean, their one bad loss. I mean, they lost to the Jets, where they that was a game that they had opportunities to win. They could easily be undefeated right now. Um, and uh, you know, when the moment steps up, they play their best. Like they played really well against the Dolphins. I know Dolphins fans are a little butt hurt because they felt like the refs missed some calls in that game. But the Eagles are the better team. Um, and um, yeah, it, there's they're still the best. They're the team to beat in the NFC because they're the defending NFC champions. Um, no team has ever won the NFC East back-to-back years since 2004, I think is wow. when it was. That's a long time. So, so yeah, so there's been a different NFC East winner every other year since then. Um, and so the Eagles have that challenge in front of them. And they have to, again, this game against Dallas is very, very crucial. And I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'd say the best two games of the weekend are Dallas-Philly and Buffalo-Cincinnati. Best two games of the weekend, for sure. Would 100% agree. This this Eagles team is looking fantastic. Jalen Hurts obviously not playing as well as he did last year. Uh, I heard an interesting uh, idea that Jalen Hurts might be hurt, um, which which might be kind of impeding his play a little bit. And you can kind of see when he's playing, he's always walking gingerly when he's getting going off the field, but he's just kind of pushing through it. And that, that could be the reason why he's playing worse than he was last year. But regardless, this team is just so so stacked from top to bottom that it really doesn't matter. Like they can right. they can just make yeah. it work regardless. I mean, like I was, I was crediting the Lions GM and and the Philadelphia Eagles have the best front office in football. They do. Yeah, it's sickening, but they do. AJ Brown, potential MVP candidate. I know he won't win it, but man, that dude is racking up the yards. Was it four straight games with over 125 yards of receiving or something like that? Like just absolute insanity. So glad he doesn't play for the Titans anymore. Um, and uh, just real quick, you said Gibbs, what a, uh, a running back for Detroit. I have him and Tua in a PPR league. I'm, so yeah, I'm enjoying that combination a lot right now. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm curious to see what the Lions do with my, when Montgomery comes back, how much they're going to split up the carries. Because Gibbs is obviously a super talent and much more of an athlete than, than David Montgomery is. So we'll, we'll see what they decide to do. It'll probably just yep. be a nasty two-headed tandem. But, all right, we'll move on to the other conference here, the American Football Conference. Uh, talk about the top five here. I'm going to start off. Actually, no money, Mike. Why don't you start? Who, who's your number five for the AFC? Uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, look, I know they've been cons- inconsistent. Um, they uh, definitely play down to their competition. But, look, I still think that they have the capability to be that team that beat the Miami Dolphins. Um, and rise to the occasion and, and execute. Um, and if you need to get bad football, you know, out of the way, this is the time to do it mid season. Uh, just get your bad games out, figure out what it is you do great and figure out what your weaknesses are and you can fine tune those. And I think that the Buffalo bills are a team that um, despite having some defensive losses due to injury are still a really good defense. And Josh Allen is the third best quarterback in football, uh, makes some boneheaded decisions, but if he relies on the talent that's around him and you got Stefan Diggs, one of the best receivers in, in the league, um, you're still one of the formidable teams in the conference and in the league in general. So um, right now, I don't think they're as good as the four teams ahead of them, but right now I will say going into this week, they are the fifth best team in the American football conference. All right. I am going to make this number five pick based on a game pick. I'm going to be making later. Um, I'm going to be putting the Cincinnati Bengals at number five. Ah, um, interesting. I, I, I know, I know they just had a fantastic showing against the 49ers, but I have to see more before I can start putting them higher because you even made this known to me that all of their wins are against, are against the NFC West this year. Yes. Um, they have not won an AFC game yet this year. <laughs> yeah. So 
I can't put a team that started off looking so bad, um, still finding ways to win, but looking terrible. And then they finally have one really good game and then already catapulting them to as high as I'm seeing them on a ton of different power rankings this morning. Um, that's the epitome of week to week and recency bias. Um, yes. So if they if they beat the Bills this Sunday and they start going on the run that a lot of people expect them to because they frequently start slow and then turn it around after the bye, then by quarter three, I'll probably have them in the top three of the AFC. But for now, I'm going to put them at five and see what happens. Yeah, Colin Cowherd had, uh, had the Bengals number two out of his top ten teams that he does every week. Yeah. And he always interviews Nick right right after, and Nick just goes, so you had a team that if the playoffs were expanded to eight teams would still not make the playoffs at number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's that's some insane recency bias. You have to let it play out. You can't just assume that they're back already. Um, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I have the Kansas City Chiefs at four. Look, the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the best teams in football. I had them uh, ranked at number four, actually, in my last top five rankings that we did, uh, just because the defense is so good, but their offense is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and that's it. Like, they really, their receiving core is not very good, um, and uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out, um, and they're still one of the teams that you don't want to have to play. Um, but I mean, that was a bad loss to the Broncos, man. I know some people are saying that, oh, Patrick Mahomes had the flu, but no excuses, no, no toughness, no championship. That's the way it goes. Um, and losing to the Denver Broncos, man. I mean, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had never lost to the Denver Broncos in his career, had never lost to a team with a losing record before, uh, that game. Yep. Um, had never, um, I don't, I think no, I know, that's not true. On... They lost to the Colts last year. No, but I think the Colts at that time had like a 500 record or something. Did they? I don't know. I think Colts there was like some one of the worst teams Nick, in the league last year. I don't know. There's some stat Nick Wright brought up about Patrick Mahomes' record against losing teams. Yeah. Um, that the, there was a streak that broke with that. Um, it was the first time I think the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes had lost by more than a single score. Um, that wasn't the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. You know, like it, in the regular season, it was some crazy style like that. Like it's it was yeah. a. A very bad loss for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I still think the Kansas City Chiefs are in the top five. Oh, I guess the Colts were the... one, 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 and one at that time. So, yeah, yeah, see, right. they didn't have a losing record. They never <laughs> the time of the game. Uh, and so the Chiefs are look, they're winning their division. They're clearly going to win their division. Um, they're still a formidable force. They are the defending Super Bowl champions, um, but they right now are not playing better than the three teams that I ranked ahead of them. All right. Well, at number four, I'm going to be putting the Buffalo Bills. Um, obviously if they beat the Bengals, then that, and if they do it in convincing fashion, then obviously the roller coaster of the bill season continues because they have not looked great these past few weeks. Um, they've gotten, a, they've still gone two and one in those past few weeks. So it's fine. Like you need winning in the NFL is tough regardless. Um, but that's, a lot of changes need to happen though, because, um, like you said, the offense needs to be opened up a little bit more for Josh. Uh, the run game, there needs to be some consistency with the commitment to the run game and, and the passing game. Like, like one game, it seems like the run game is able to get going and they actually use it. And then another game, they don't even give the run game a shot. Like they'll, they'll, they'll run it such a few amount of times. So I, I think there, this offensive game plan for the Bills just needs to get figured out because it really just, it's all over the place. And once they do figure that out, or if they do figure that out, then this team will keep climbing these AFC, climbing these AFC rankings. Um, yeah. All right. Who do you got no, at number three? 
Uh, so I have the Miami Dolphins at number three. I know Bills fans are be like, but we crushed the Dolphins. Yeah, but you've played bad against some other bad teams, and you've lost some games, whereas the Dolphins have defeated almost everybody except for you in Philadelphia. But that's why I hold them back from being higher on the list, because those losses to Philadelphia um, and Buffalo are revealing in a way because the Dolphins have had kind of an easy schedule. They're undefeated at home. It's easier to win at home than it is on the road. Um, and so like the teams they've beaten like Denver and, uh, Carolina and the giants, um, you know, it's just like, come on, you, you know, the chargers aren't very good. So it, they don't really have a signature win, which is why I, I don't have them higher, but the, they have, you can't control who's in front of you and they've dominated and they're the first team since the 1960s to put 70 points up. I mean, their offense just lights it up. Trust me. I know I've got Tua in fantasy. Um, so Miami right now has played overall better than the Bills more consistently. So even though they lost head-to-head, they have a better record and they played more consistent than Buffalo has overall. So that's why I rank them higher than the Buffalo Bills. Um, and I think it's crazy that we're eight weeks into the season and all four teams in the AFC that are leading their divisions are all 6-2. and two. So this is going to be a – I mean, we talked about it before the season. The AFC was going to be a fun conference to watch play out. It's going to be a fun race to see who's going to get that number one seed. Because now that there's only one bye, it's so crucial. Yes. Absolutely is. Um, and number three, I'm going to put the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so I know they've been playing fantastic. They beat the Lions, what was it, 38 to 6 or something like that. And then last week, it was, a, it was a closer game than you would have expected with the Cardinals, right? They won 31 to 24. But teams, it's the NFL. Games are going to be close. I. I know they're probably a lot of people's favorite picks to be at the top of the AFC right now, and, and they might even be yours. Um, I just don't know. I don't know if I believe that this Baltimore Ravens offense is going to continue the play that they have had over the last two weeks. Because prior to the last two weeks, they look terrible. Well, not terrible, but like not very uninspiring. Um, so I, I think... It's going to be very telling when they play the Jaguars. I think that's okay. going to be a massive, massive measuring stick for not just the Jaguars, but also the Ravens. Um, that kind of previews the reason why I'm putting them at number three. Okay. Uh, at number two, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I rank them higher than Miami because while Miami may be undefeated at home, the Jaguars are undefeated on the road. And to me, that's more impressive. To be 4-0 at home versus 4-0 on the road, I would say it's more impressive to be 4-0 on the road. Um, the Jaguars have played – I mean, they, their defense has looked really, really good. Their defense is the reason why they are where they are. Um, but their offense, you have ETN who has looked – like some people have been calling him an MVP candidate. Along with Brown as non-quarterbacks that are in the conversation, ETN is in that conversation for sure. Um, Trevor Lawrence – unbelievable talent makes some boneheaded mistakes but like like josh allen you know that the mistakes are going to be made or could be made but the ceiling is so high that you're like okay well when he's on he's on um and uh you know he's got a good receiving core uh a good head coach um so the jaguars um have won five in a row and uh have just been trending upward and they've got some tough games coming up but they'll be measuring stick games and you know, it's going to be exciting to see them play teams like Baltimore and Cincinnati and see how they do. Um, you know, I think if they were to play Kansas City over again, I think we might have a different result. Who knows? Um, but I think that right now they're playing better than Kansas City. They're playing better 
then I think they have more signature wins than Miami, and they definitely are better than Buffalo. So that's why I have them at number two. But I don't think they're better than the team that's number one right now. All right. Well, I have them at number two as well. Jacksonville Jaguars at number two. Um, listen, this is the first time I have ever felt a confidence about the Jacksonville Jaguars where no matter who they play, if we play the Chiefs again, we play when we play the Ravens, when we play the 49ers, even if we played the Eagles, I feel like they have a solid chance to win. Doesn't mean I guarantee that they're going to win. Doesn't mean that they're even going to be favored, especially even especially against the Eagles, right? Because they're the, the, the consensus best team in the NFL right now. Um, but if what I think is going to happen happens after this bye week, especially with the signing of this new offensive lineman from the Vikings, this offense is going to open up. I think they're going to get away from the dinking and dunking, horizontal throws, uh, kind of being scared because the offensive line isn't going to hold up, so they try to get the ball out of Trevor's hands quickly. I think this this offense is going to turn it around this, this second half of the season. And if that happens while the defense continues to, the dominance that they have had, and it has been dominance, leading the league in turnovers, their run defense has been absolutely outstanding. If that continues and the offense gets to the point that I think everybody thinks that they can get to, I, I don't see how, like, this team doesn't make a huge run and potentially get themselves either the one or two seed in the AFC. Now, obviously, yeah. th this is a bias, right? I am a Jaguars fan. I hope this happens. But it's also not devoid of logic. Um, no. So, in that vein, I think that they can beat the Ravens when they match up. And like I said before, for some reason, historically, we beat the Ravens. We have a, we have a winning record against them. Um, so, until I see them lose to the Ravens, I'm going to pick the Jaguars to win that matchup, which is why I put them at number two over them. No, I mean, yeah, you definitely control your own destiny. I mean, with playing the Ravens and the Bengals head-to-head, -head, um, you've already played the Chiefs, you lost that, but you beat the Bills. So, I mean, you're forming your – you're establishing yourselves in the AFC for sure and making yourself known to those teams. It doesn't look like you play the Dolphins this year, but, nope. um, you know, you again, <laughs> can you make sure you take advantage and beat the teams you're supposed to beat on this schedule? Like, you should beat the Titans both games, even though the Titans always play you tough. Better fucking beat the Texans a second time around, <laughs> especially after they just lost to the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, and then you play, and then you play teams like the Bucks and the Panthers. You got to win those games, so you have to beat who you're supposed to beat, but then you have to rise to the occasion and beat. The Browns are going to be a tough game too. We have to play them. Oh well. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to respect the Browns' defense. That's for sure. Um, number one, I have, I do have the Baltimore Ravens because they have looked phenomenal. They have some more signature wins than the Dolphins and the Jags combined. Um, and the defense looks great too. Yeah. defense looks great and Lamar Jackson's a former league MVP man I mean he's uh he's got the legs and he's got the receiving core help that he hasn't had the last few years um so I I, I think that that was a team that people felt like should have made a move at the trade deadline for you know a Derrick Henry or a Saquon Barkley I'm sure that calls were made um but both the Titans and the Giants respectively said they were going to keep both guys but that was a uh, one of the missing pieces that the Ravens kind of need because they've lost uh Dobbins due to his uh was it his, did he get his Achilles was that what took him out this yeah year? I think it was his Achilles is he had that or yeah. ACL one of the two yeah 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 he had a season-ending injury so they they kind of that's a position they kind of need help with but Harbaugh is a fantastic coach longest uh, head coach 
other than Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin in the league. So, uh, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens were a three in my first quarter rankings. They have risen to uh, number one just because of the you know track record they have so far this year. And of the six and two teams, the team I believe in the most right now this year, obviously the Chiefs have the best history of recent, uh, but I will say that right now the Ravens are playing the best, most consistent football, and that's why I have them at number one in the AFC. All right. Um, th- j- just as a quick aside, too, part of the reason why, too, I think the Jaguars are going to win that game is because our run defense has been so stout. Our interior defensive line is massive, and they make plays. And obviously the Ravens, they thrive off of their run game, right? If they can get that going right. with even Lamar, Gus Edwards, uh, Justice Hill, all of those guys, as long as they can get that going, then it opens it up for Lamar to, to take passes down the field to Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers and those guys. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against us um, yeah. with how the run game, run defense has looked. Um, so that's kind oh, of that... the reason I've made that prediction. Yeah, I mean, but that's that game is still so far away. That's yeah. not until December 17th on Sunday Night Football. That's still a long ways to go. A lot can happen between now and then. That's true. That's true. I'm just kind of making the prediction as as I see things now Fair for enough. them. Um, but my number one team, right? There's two two potential teams. One of them is kept out of the top five, and one is the number one team in the AFC on my side. So there's a little bit of tension building here. Um, I'm choosing the Kansas City Chiefs. I okay. understand that last week they lost to the hapless Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. I also understand that it was a division matchup. Division matchups are always messy. I know that Mahomes has never lost to the Broncos, but he's gotten close many times. And that's because division matchups are just always weird, and we always know this. Um, I always say this. It's the Chiefs conference until I see otherwise, and I still haven't seen otherwise because they're still 6-2 and two when playing arguably their worst football we've seen them play in this entire dynasty era yeah (laughs) so it's like i I feel like it's a little overreaction for people to not even have them in their top fives this week yeah no that's that's fair i i had them uh, based on how they played the first few weeks uh and number four i'm keeping them at fourth right now but i i know that they still if it comes to a playoff matchup i'll probably pick the chiefs to beat all these teams because it's just (laughs) like until they are knocked off you know exactly it's it's hard to imagine like uh, you know i didn't think that i would ever see the golden state warriors eliminated in a western conference playoffs but i did last year you know what i mean like so Um, it happened exactly and that kind of goes to the fact that i did not include the miami dolphins in my top five and the reason i didn't do that is because i i still don't believe in them until they show up against a team that's okay to good (laughs) like (laughs) They're beating on all of these teams that just like aren't that aren't good, right? So we need to see them actually show up uh, because they didn't show up against the Bills and they didn't show up against the Eagles. So they'll have a chance this yeah, upcoming this week weekend against this weekend. the Chiefs in yep. Germany. Yep. Um, so it, it, who knows? That, that This could be the most ridiculous take in the world by Monday or by next Tuesday if they destroy the Chiefs and then we're like, okay, well, I guess they are legit. Yeah, your team that didn't make the top five destroys the number one team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I'll just say, oh, they were playing in Germany. Pat was Pat Mahomes was jet lagged. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, geez, we're already over an hour in. All right, let, let's uh, get. We're through having some... fun. We're having fun. So does our audience. Yes, exactly. There you go. All right. Um, 
Well, let, let's uh, get through some of these uh, other storylines surrounding the trade deadline because that ended today. Um, one of the things that leads into some of the storylines we're going to talk about is the fact that Kirk Cousins went down against the Green Bay Packers with a torn Achilles. Uh, incredibly sad to see after having potentially his best game of his career against the 49ers in the week prior. Um, and this was a game that the Vikings won handily against the Packers as well. Um, so it wasn't uh, really... It wasn't a situation where Kirk Cousins was working hard to try and get the team back and, and get the win. That This game was basically already sealed by the time he went down. Um, so it was just very sad to see. The Vikings were on the up and up. They, they Obviously, this win got them back. Or um, this win really helped their record to get them back into contention in the NFC. And now they're going to be moving forward with Josh Dobbs, as you can see yeah. here on the bottom left. Um, after the Cardinals came out and said that they're either going to start Kyler Murray or their rookie quarterback. I forgot what his name was. Um, so they decided to move on from Dobbs after starting off the season with just one one win um, against the Dallas Cowboys. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on the Kirk Cousins going down and uh, Dobbs taking over? Well, I just feel bad for Vikings fans. You know, you had a team that... Um... You know, they, they, their messaging was, we're going to win, we're going to go 1-0 and every week. You know, after they had a pretty rough start to the season, losing a bunch of one-score games, which is what the Vikings do. They're in one-score games all the time, and last year they won all of them, except for the playoff game against the Giants. And this year they've been losing them at the start of the year, and then lately, these last few weeks, they've been starting to win. And with Kirk Cousins going down, uh, you know, he was in a bunch of trade rumors for the first few weeks, and, you know, he didn't listen to that. He just kept playing, and statistically was still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, going down now, the Vikings are, even though they're record-wise still in it, it feels kind of like, a okay, their season's kind of over. Um, Dobbs played well in Arizona the first few weeks, so he's going to maybe still play well for Minnesota. Uh, I just think that Minnesota doesn't have a shot against Detroit in the division. They're clearly better than the Packers and the Lions, uh, the Packers and the Bears in the division, but the Lions are much more dominant than the Vikings. Um, but if Dobbs plays well enough, you're four and four. I mean, could the Vikings win five more games and make the playoffs? It's possible, especially when you still have three games. Uh, I think they still have they they have two games that they'll definitely win the the second matchup against Green Bay, um, and then they play the Bears, who I think they're still better than even with Dobbs. Um, so that's six wins. Can you squeak out another three? It's possible. You know, yeah. we'll see what happens. It is possible, and I know that's what. Vikings fans are hoping for because Josh Dobbs has shown some flashes of good football. Um, even it, I saw it in person against the uh, the Jaguars when I was down in Jacksonville, and Dobbs was the starting quarterback for the Titans um, against us in that final game of the season. Dobbs was playing well; like he he can play football, man. He he needs pieces around him. He's not the guy that's going to carry your team. But if the Vikings can game plan correctly, use their strengths correctly, and uh, do what they need to do to get wins in a close fashion, kind of like what they did last season. They could definitely sneak into the playoffs. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens. Uh, it all starts with the the week coming up. Um, another big storyline from the trade deadline: Chase Young, as I mentioned before, going to the San Francisco San Francisco Forty Niners. Um, obviously, the Forty Niners struggling on defense over the past couple weeks against the Vikings and the Bengals feel like their pass rush probably wasn't at the level that they needed to be, so they ended up going out and getting one of the biggest stars, the youngest stars from a pass rush perspective in Chase Young. Mike, are you happy to see him out of your division? 
Or do you not oh, really yeah. care since the Giants owned the Commanders anyway? <laughs> well, yeah, the Giants own Washington, no matter who's in uniform. But uh, he was a guy that I really wanted uh, as a New York Giant. Um, but they had a worse record than us and got to pick ahead of us. So we didn't get to take him. Um, but, you know, he uh, he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, he doesn't always stay healthy. So that's a concern there. But the fact that he was traded to uh, a, a contender like the 49ers who are known for their great defense. I mean, you have him and Bosa on the line. It was just everybody. That was the strongest reaction from the trade deadline was this move right here. Um, and I know that I was listening to uh, the Rich Eisen show uh, when this uh, went down. And uh, TJ on the show is a Cowboys fan. And when they were reporting this in, they're like, Chase Young traded to the 49ers. You hear him in the back and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I I do love it for that. So, uh, you know, the fact that it's going to hurt the Cowboys' chances. Uh, but look, when you're uh, in the NFC and you're, you're trying to beat the Philadelphia Eagles um, and teams like the Detroit Lions, um, you know, because those are the teams they're up against, and even the Dallas Cowboys, they have phenomenal offensive lines. So this move is going to help you in those matchups. So yeah. it's a, definitely a huge trade for the 49ers. Um, they're definitely all in to try to win this year. Um, so we'll see if it works out for them. And as I mentioned before, this just makes their team look even better on paper. And it already looks yeah. like the best roster in the NFL on paper. So it's, it's a, like, I, I share the sentiment that, uh, the guy on the Rich Eisen show felt it's like, come on, man. Like, how are they finding ways to sign all of these insane names onto their team? Like, it's just yeah. unfair at this point. If they right. had a quarterback, like if they had, I understand Brock Purdy has done well in the situation that he's been thrown in, but just imagine if they had Kirk Cousins, as we talked about last week, before yeah. he tore his Achilles, obviously. Um, this team would just be unstoppable. I can't imagine how they wouldn't just roll right through to a Super Bowl title. Um, but yeah. regardless, uh, as you mentioned before, the guy on the top, Derrick Henry, was not traded, so he's going to be ending the season as a Tennessee Titan curious to see what happens with him after this season he's clearly still playing at uh, a high level um obviously with running backs their careers are shorter but derrick henry seems to still be pushing um so still be pushing uh the limits of what an older running back can do so um yep. unhappy to see that he's still in tennessee but like i said not that much of a threat at this point fuck the titans um, yeah all right that's a good point. Madden brings up Purdy makes less than $1 million. That's why they're able to afford all these big-name players. That is a good point. Purdy still yeah. has a roommate, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> You're starting yeah. a quarterback in the NFL, and you have a roommate. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the Bills got Razul Douglas from the Packers. That was a big move for them. They needed that help in their secondary, especially with the injuries that they've had. And yeah. like I, my point about Chase Young going to the 49ers to help the defensive line against these good offensive lines in the NFC, that's why the Leonard Williams trade from the Giants to the Seahawks is going to help Seattle because if they want to punch up to these teams that are a little bit better than them right now, like the Lions, like the 49ers, uh, the Cowboys, and the Eagles who have really good offensive lines, that's what you need to do. So uh, I think that some teams really made some excellent moves, and um, we'll see if the picks that these team, lower teams are able to take advantage of them. Uh, speaking for the Giants, I hope to God that they land really good players with the picks that they got because they need it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yeah, like I mentioned before, there was a big, it obviously wasn't a big splash trade that the Jaguars fans maybe wanted, but trading for that offensive lineman from uh, Minnesota, Ezra, Ezra Cleveland, left guard, that was probably the weakest part of our offensive line. So I'm very excited to see if he can 
kind of bolster that line and help our offense get to the point where it can, it can go. Um, but Jags on bye this week, so we won't be talking about them much going forward. Uh, I forgot to do the picks update, but I ended up winning last week as well. Jaguars won, uh, Jets won, and then yeah. Mike got the uh, Cincinnati 49ers game right. Um, but that extended my lead, lead by another. I, I think now I believe I lead by eight games. So. Yeah. It's not been a good year for me in football. <laughs> <laughs> so, Money Mike, uh, let's see what your strategy is going to be with the picks. And we'll start today with the, let's see, where, who are the Giants playing this week? They are playing the Las Vegas Raiders at the Las Vegas Raiders, a game that they can win. Money Mike, so I'm guessing you're going to be picking the Giants. Daniel Jones is back. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm picking the Giants. Yes, I'm picking the Giants. I think this is a game that they can win. I'm going to pick them to win this one. So, Dude, bounce the... back. Bounce back, baby. <laughs> we were watching the game last night, Kristen and I, and she turns to me and she's like, so is Jimmy Garoppolo bad? <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is, because he even in the 49ers all those years, he looked okay. Right? So now he's on this Raiders team that is coached terribly. Their roster is good, but not great. They can't carry a quarterback like Jimmy G, and it's showing. Um, so I, I see the Giants winning winning this game. Um, all right. Buffalo Bills at Cincinnati Bengals. I already alluded to who I am picking in this game, so I will just say I'm picking the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think this is the game. They're going to be able to get some revenge from last season, and I think kind of the, the insane Bengals hype train that started after one uh, great win is going to slow down a little bit after this week. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to get their first AFC victory uh, on Sunday night football over the Buffalo Bills. Look, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they outplayed the Bills in Buffalo in the playoffs last year. And from what we were able to see in that Monday night game before the tragedy of the incident with DeMar Hamlin, the Bengals were having no problem moving the ball against Buffalo. And that was when their defense was healthy. Um, so I think that the issues with the Bills – um, injury-wise on their defensive side, even though they got Douglas in the trade, it's going to be a quick turnaround. Will he, how will he do in their system that quickly? I don't know. Um, and I think that the Bengals are a team that struggle in September and just continue to play better and better as the weeks go on. So I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals to win. All right. Uh, so that finishes our picks for our teams. Let's see who you got for your uh, eliminator pick. So you still have only lost two lives. I've lost one. So at least you're yeah. in the running for that competition here, Mike. Who do you yeah, have this I mean, week? We've extended it to three. We'll just keep extending it until the season ends. It'll be like, oh, you've only lost this four times. So <laughs> you're still in it. There um, you go. I'm picking the Cleveland Browns to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, that uh, is honestly, as you quickly look at the slate this week, that's the one that really sticks out. Um, I'm just looking up one quick thing real quick uh, before I make my pick. Pick okay. the Titans, Drew. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, no, that's that's a dumb pick. I'm also going to pick the Browns. Um, it's, the, it's the only one on the slate that really makes any yeah. sense. Um, no I was... Think about maybe making it interesting and picking the um, Packers because I thought that maybe Matt Stafford wasn't playing because I know he was injured, um, but he it looks like he's just day-to-day, -day, so he's probably going to play. Um, so if that's the case, then I'm definitely picking the 
Cleveland Browns here to beat the Cardinals as well. All right. All right. And I think you picked the random game last week. Did you not? <laughs> I did. Real quick, Madden says, oh, fuck. The Browns is my pick, so I need to rethink it now because you picked it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I sometimes, you know, the way this season has gone with me picking games, whatever I say, it tends to be the opposite of what happens. That's certainly the case in Jaguar games, but I can't get a Jags game wrong this week because they're on a bye. Um, I will say for the random game, let's do the game we talked about that we were really excited about, the Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, did I pick first last time? No, I think you did. You took San Francisco, right? Yeah, and I, I did. Yeah. So I am going to oh, – God, this pains me. Um, I'm going to take the – because I hate both these teams. I'm <laughs> taking the Philadelphia Eagles to hold serve at home and beat the Dallas Cowboys. So fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, and they'll beat the uh, the Cowboys. Cowboys take the lead – or no, they don't take the lead in the division because they've had their bye. But uh, right, because the the Eagles would be seven and two, and the Cowboys would be six and two if they win yeah, this game. Think, yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, this would be huge for division implications if the Cowboys win this game, and I think they yep. got a shot. We'll see. They have to get out a lead early, um, and their defense needs to play lights out. But we'll see what happens. No, good, good, good choice for that game. I was going to say that or the Miami and Chiefs game. So, both good options. Yeah. All right, moving on from the NFL. Quick Boston Celtics update. You alluded to at the beginning of the, the show that the Celtics are 3-0 starting off the season. KP looks fantastic. What are your thoughts so far? Oh, I love it. I mean, he's such a mismatch for teams. Um, you know, he had uh, 30 points against the Knicks, against his former team that drafted him in the opener. Uh, that game was a lot closer than it could than it needed to be. The Celtics really fell asleep in the uh, middle of that fourth quarter and the next one on a run it was kind of scary for a moment because i'm like man we outplayed them this whole game we're just gonna piss it away that sucks then they you know they beat the team uh in their home opener that eliminated them last year in the miami heat Derek white had a phenomenal fourth quarter and put the team on his back uh i wasn't able to watch this game but i heard the uh last four or five minutes or so on my sirius xm traveling back from my cousin's party uh and then i watched the game last night where they just destroyed the wizards i mean they were up by 34 when they took all their starters out so um, one thing that is concerned is the Celtics bench players having any ability to score. But as uh, the man in the, one of the pictures here, Scal, who calls the Celtics games uh, on NBA League Pass uh, in the local Boston, uh, you know, channel that's shown out there, uh, he um, he says, look, bench, the, the, the job of the bench is not to score. The job of the bench is to do their job. And he goes, these guys are doing that. So um look Jalen Brown looked phenomenal last night in particular he was seven for nine uh in the first half from three-point range uh he finished with 36 last night Jason Tatum is always good he had 33 um and so uh Drew Holiday's been looking good on the defensive end uh made a very crucial play at the end of that Knicks game in the opener so no three games in more wins than the Giants already I love the Celtics I I love getting NBA league pass last year I got the full NBA league pass because I thought that was the only thing you could get. And then I was subscribing this year, and it's like, do you want single team or the full thing? I'm like, well, it's a dollar more for the whole league, but I'm still only going to do the single team because all I care about is the Celtics. So yeah, <laughs> I'm there saving myself a dollar from what I was last year. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, no, the Celtics definitely seem like a team that are always going to have a hot hand, whether that's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Christoph Porzingis, Derek White against the Miami Heat. Um, there's always going to be somebody that's hot that's going to they're going to be able to ride to hopefully a victory. 
Um, so yeah, they're, they're going to be stacked. They're a fun team to watch. Um, I've enjoyed watching them the, the few times I have so far this season, and I look forward to enjoying it more. Uh, quick update on the World Series. Uh, the Rangers are up, what is it, 2-1 to one, uh, coming into this game tonight, and they're destroying them, it sounds like, from Sir Burrito Banda in the chat. 10-1 to one right now. 10-1 to one live as we're recording this. They are up uh, against the Diamondbacks, and they lost two key players last night. They lost Garcia, which is one of their best hitters. Um, and uh, Scherzer got hurt in the game last night, but they are up two games to one in the series. It looks like they're going to go up three games to one. They're the first team ever to win nine consecutive road games in the postseason, about to win their 10th. And they have accomplished something that the New York Yankees failed to do, which is win a World Series game at Arizona. Because in the 2001 World Series, the only World Series appearance besides this one the Diamondbacks have, the home team won every game in that series. They happen to have home field advantage, so they won all four games at home winning the World Series. So the Texas Rangers have accomplished things that the great New York Yankees have not. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I always find a way to jab at the Yankees, Drew. It's my, it's my instincts as a Red Sox fan. All right, Mike. Jesus Christ. We'll move on here. <laughs> there it is. Shut your whorish mouth, Mike, from Madden once again. That's funny. Um, I, I, I'm clearly a fan favorite uh, of Madden's. <laughs> yes, you are. You're getting so much shit from the man. Uh, Mike bringing up history is crazy from Sir Burrito Bandit. Uh, <laughs> Madden says, anything I, I might have said nice about you, I take back. <laughs> uh there, there you go. Bandit's finally fighting back. He says, we going to forget about that century-long drought from those fucking bums in Boston. Ooh. We're talking history, Mike. Hey. Yeah, you know what? But the history has since changed since 2004 uh, comeback. It's true. And I'm not just saying that as a Red Sox. I mean, look, the Red Sox were the lovable losers for 80 years. I mean, they were a team that won the World Series in 1918, then had a 20-year drought of never making the playoffs. Went to the World Series and lost in seven games. Then had a 27-year drought. And then made the World Series and lost in seven games. Like, just pathetic. Yeah. But they are a perfect example of a franchise that can look like that. And then one strong moment in history changes everything around. And over the last 20 years, what franchise has won the most World Series? I'll wait. Oh, that's right. The Boston Red Sox. So, let's, let's not forget that. During Money Mike's life, the Boston Red Sox have been the better team. I mean, I mean, it's it's just. Uh, I mean, yeah. Te technically, the Yankees have uh because they won four World Series. They've won four World Series in my life. No, uh, they've won five World Series in my lifetime. The Red Sox have won four. So technically, oh, the Yankees have more okay, in my sorry. lifetime. Forgot but about those. those in the last 90s twenty years, teams. the Red Sox have been the better team. The Yankees haven't even been to the World Series since two thousand and nine when they won it. But they haven't even been to the World Series since, and that is terrible for Yankee fans. I, they they are disgusted by that. I don't even have to say anything about the Red Sox to let you know that the yeah. Yankees are disgusted at their their own team. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Everybody, calm down. The uh, Brito and Madden going off in the chat talking shit. All right, we get it. Baseball, 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 baseball. In the last three times the Red Sox and Yankees have played in the postseason, who's won? The Red Sox. All right. Let, let's move on to some combat sports here. Um, some insane historic shit happened this past weekend that Money Mike, I know you did not hear about, but even you will find this interesting. So, tail of the tape here. Tyson Fury, one of the best heavyweight boxers of all time, 
current WBO heavyweight boxing champion. Faces off against Francis Ngannou, former UFC heavyweight champion. Um, has never boxed once in his life, but was known as, a, as an, an insane knockout artist. Okay? Wow. Goes in, in and fights Tyson Fury this past Saturday. Knocks him down, as you see here in this picture on the bottom right. And goes to a razor-thin decision where people are saying the only reason Francis Ngannou, the UFC guy, lost this fight is because boxing is corrupt. Right? They didn't want one of their guys to lose a decision, especially when there's a big fight scheduled after this for Tyson Fury. Um, but literally a UFC guy came in and almost beat the best heavyweight boxer in the world. That is how, wow. how crazy the, the outcome of this fight was. So it was like back when Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather if he won, if Conor won. Yeah. Um, so it, it was an absolutely insane thing to watch. The highlights were fun. Um, and Ganu is a legit boxer and is probably going to be ranked in the top 10 in the world after this because of who he just almost beat. Um, so combat sports has been, it, combat sports has just been thrown into a tizzy at this point. I, I feel like even though I'm not an expert on MMA, MMA or boxing or UFC, uh, I feel like it's, um, you know, the, the, what was the narrative? Like it, you, the boxing techniques so that he won by the decision because he did more technical technical things better sure. that they were pointing to than this UFC guy because it's like oh he like I think that was the excuse with Conor McGregor and Floyd is that like look like Floyd was strategic and defensive and that's why he won the fight because he knew what he was doing versus Conor who was kind of new to it I mean you'll never see a I mean I'm sure maybe you will but you'll never see a top boxer go into UFC you always see the top UFC fighters go into okay. boxing you know, be, be, so. Because the result is just known by everybody. We've seen we've seen that happen once before, actually. James Tony, a former uh, top-tier heavyweight boxer, actually went to the UFC and faced Randy Couture. And Randy Couture literally just took him down immediately and submitted him. So it's like everybody knows exactly what's going to happen if a boxer steps into the cage. And with boxing, it's like there, there definitely still seems to be that puncher's chance, right? So everybody always gives the MMA guy a shot. But the fact that the MMA guy here was able to come in and almost beat the best guy in the world, who clearly the best guy in the world, he, he took this fight lightly, right? He assumed that he was going to win this fight easily. So he probably didn't train as hard. He probably didn't prepare as hard as he should have. But regardless, if you're that good and there's that much of a gap between the two sports, Tyson Fury should have won this, this fight handily. So it was very telling. And I'm curious to see what Francis Ngannou does next. He's probably going to fight one of the other big names in boxing, and Deontay Wilder is my guess. Um, but we'll see what happens. But I just thought you would you would even find that interesting, even when you don't follow the sport. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the most I know about boxing is pretty much from what I've seen from the Rocky movies. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the extent of my knowledge. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, but all right. Well. That wraps up our show today. for today. Talked a little bit about power rankings for the second quarter of the NFL season. Uh, talked a little baseball, basketball, uh, MMA, and boxing. We covered it all today on another Damn Sports Podcast. Mike, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Uh, happy Halloween to those who uh, were out with their kids, taking them trick-or-treating. If you were at a party and dressing in a costume with your friends, I hope you uh, had fun and stayed safe. Hopefully... Uh, your kids uh, get the candy they wanted uh, with their friends. Like I, one of my favorite memories from Halloween when I was a kid was you walk around, you trick or treat with your friends, you go back to wherever you're staying, 
and you dump your bags out and you trade your favorite candies. Uh, Drew, what was your mo- what was your favorite candy you got as a kid uh, on Halloween? Um, I would probably say my two favorite candies back then and even now are, are Butterfingers and Reese's. I'd probably say those are okay. my two favorites. Um, All right. But yeah, what about you? I was so excited at the time, and it's funny because now that I'm an adult, I can get these whenever I want. But like whenever I got the like the large Airhead bars, you know that you can get. Yeah. Um, like those when I when people were giving those out, I got so so excited. I'm not a big chocolate person, um. So like for me, I like the the flavored candies like sweet tarts, um, definitely sweet tart mini chewy, sweet tart sours, uh, Skittles, sour Skittles, Airheads. Those are the kind of candies that I gravitated to towards more. Yeah. Um, so I would always trade away like the, the chocolates, like the crunch bars and the Hershey's for those types of things. Hmm. So you're, you're a big sugar guy. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still addicted to sugar. It's probably not good for my long-term health, but we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, shout out to you, Money Mike. Shout out to Madden, Sir Burrito Bandit, Sword Moss, everybody who joined us in the chat today. Shout out to everybody who listens to the show after it's posted every single week. And shout out to all the kids today that i handed candy out to during halloween it was fun i wore this uh uh, skeleton costume with this banana hat on uh, and the kids always seem to enjoy it every year um fortunately kristen was not around to do it and she loves doing it every year but she'll be back next year to do the same um were they terrified of the 12 foot skeleton in your yard some were some were scared of the the skeleton and some were scared of me they're always (laughs) they see they see me with the the skeleton mask they're like ah that's scary but then they see the banana hat around it and they're like okay this guy seems weird i think i'll be fine <laughs> yeah i think that they're more scared that they thought you were weird than than the look yeah that's fair yeah <laughs> weird guy giving out candy that's always a it's always a good thing yeah that's what you want my brother was dressed as where's waldo handing out candy so you can imagine <laughs> <laughs> as you can imagine <laughs> oh that's amazing all righty well i am drew torres he is money mike gilchrist and everybody enjoy week nine of the NFL season.